who is Christ? And what does it mean to be a Christian, a little Christ, a follower of Christ? Now let's turn to the Heidelberg Catechism, question and answers 31 and 32, found on page 977. If you go in the back of your songbooks to page 977, we have there our confession of faith. A summary of the Bible's teaching of Christ and the Christian. Remember, Christ means anointed one. He's anointed to be our prophet, priest, and king. And so obviously then Christian has some connection to that anointing, doesn't it? A little anointed one. That's what a Christian is. Why is he called Christ, meaning anointed? Because he's been ordained by God the Father and been anointed with the Holy Spirit to be our chief prophet and teacher who fully reveals to us the secret counsel and will of God concerning our deliverance. Our only high priest who has delivered us by the one sacrifice of his body and who continually intercedes for us before the Father. And our eternal king who governs us by his word and spirit and who guards us and keeps us in the deliverance he has won for us. And then, why are you called a Christian? Because by faith I am a member of Christ and I share in his anointing. I share in his prophet, priest, and king anointing. I am anointed to confess his name. I'm anointed to present myself to him as a living sacrifice of thanks and to strive with a free conscience against sin and the devil in this life and afterward to reign with Christ over all creation for eternity. That's the summary of the Bible teaches. Well, let's turn to the Bible itself, God's word, Matthew 16. And if you turn there, passage we looked at last week concerning the Christ, now to the Christian. Matthew 16, we'll read verses 13 through 28. That's actually where the 977 comes, sorry. 977 in your pew Bibles. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, or son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Yes, they were called to do this. But later after his resurrection. From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me. 
For you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And we'll look especially at verses 24 and 25. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is the word of the Lord. Blessed be his name. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, we're looking at the bedrock of our faith. I believe in God. We're asking who he is. He's the Father. He's the Son, the Holy Spirit. And we're using the ancient creed to sort of lead us through that scriptural bedrock confession of faith. And so we're going through that second part. Who is Jesus? What does it mean to believe in Jesus? And the creed is helping us. It means that he's the Savior, that he's the Christ, God's only begotten Son, but it stops. Our catechism says, whoa, wait a second. He is Jesus, he's the Christ. But then it stops and says, okay, but what's a Christian then? Before it goes to the next part of who is Jesus, the only begotten Son. And that's... Deeply biblical thinking. Who is the Christ to, but what is a Christian? Lord, say 12. And that's exactly what happens in Matthew 16. Who is the Christ? Who is Jesus? He's the Christ, the son of the living God, the anointed one, the perfect prophet, perfect priest, perfect king. Jesus says, but when you confess me, you become my follower. And when you're my follower, that's what it is to be a Christian. That has an impact on your life. Jesus for Jesus. Doctrine and life always go together. And so we go immediately from confessing the Christ to what it looks like to be a Christian in Matthew 16. And so they way of thinking in Lord's Day 12 is a very biblical way of thinking. Wait, wait, wait. If you're going to confess Jesus as the Christ, that has major implications for your life as a Christian. What is a Christian? That's what we want to look at this afternoon. What is a Christian? A Christian is a person who has faith in Christ, confesses faith in Christ, and therefore becomes a follower of Christ. And therefore forsakes everything for Christ. That's what a Christian is. A Christian is everyone who confesses faith 
in Christ and confesses Christ in faith. A Christian is anyone who believes in, confesses the true Christ in faith, like Peter who said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. But if you're going to confess Jesus as the Christ, the son of the living God, that makes you his follower when you confess him in truth. Think of these words in John 8. Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, so those who had faith, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. And he goes on to say, you will bear much fruit for me and so prove that you're my disciples. If you believe in me, you abide in my word, you're my disciples. A believer is a disciple. A disciple is a follower of the Christ, the anointed one. When you believe in him, when you have faith in the Christ, you're joined to him and you become a Christian, a little Christ, a little anointed one, a follower of the anointed one. And if you're a follower of the anointed one, then you share in his anointing, prophet, priest, and king. A Christian is anyone who believes in and confesses the Christ. Then, says Jesus, you're my disciple. You're my disciple. You're my follower. And sometimes in Christianity today, we want to divide the two. Well, I believe in him, but I'm not his follower yet. In the Bible, there is no division like that. If you believe in the Christ, that makes you a Christian, a Christ follower, a disciple. When you believe that he's your prophet, you become a prophet, a little prophet in Jesus, your prophet. When you believe that he's your priest who atoned for your guilt, who gave his life as a sacrifice for you. You in him become a little priest offering your life as a sacrifice for him. And when you believe in him as your king and ruler and shepherd and protector and defender and savior, then in him you become a little king ruling your life, your domain, your calling for his glory. That's right. When you believe in him, Peter says, you're the son of the living God. Peter confesses him. Then he says, if anyone would come after me, then he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. You become his follower when you confess him as your Christ. When you believe in him, you become his disciple. A believer is a disciple. And a disciple in the Bible is an apprentice. Maybe you're involved in an apprenticeship right now. That's a training in working and a working in training. You're on the pathway of the Christ, the prophet, priest, and king. You're in training as his prophet, priest, and king. You're a student. You're an apprentice. That's what it means to be a disciple. 
He has received you into his anointing, into his circle, as a member of his family. And he shares his Holy Spirit with you. John says in 1 John 2, he says to believers, but you've been anointed by the Holy One and you all have knowledge. And then 1 John 2, 27, but the anointing that you received from him, from Jesus abides in you and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. You have received an anointing from him, 1 John 2. Oh, I'm in Christ as a believer, a believer in Jesus who confesses him to be the Christ, the son of the living God. That makes me somebody who comes after him, a disciple, an apprentice. And now I become his prophet and his priest and his king. What an honor. What a privilege. And anyone can sign up for this honor. If you give your life to Jesus, the prophet, the priest, and the king, doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, he takes you in to his anointing. And he transforms your life and gives you a high and holy calling and power in his spirit. He fills you with his spirit. reading a book by a recently converted brother. It's called From Queer to Christ. And he stepped out by God's grace recently from the LGBTQ community and became a Christian and stepped into the family of God. And his great desire and concern is for his friends from the gay community, whom he still considers his friends, not in Christ, but friends and neighbors. And his concern for them is that so many of them live such defiled lives and have gone through so many partners and are so depressed and feel so unworthy of God that they think Christ is not for them. That if, even if you present the gospel, no, I'm too dirty for God. Well, if Paul can say, this is a true and faithful saying, Jesus Christ came to save sinners of whom I am the worst, then queer or anything else, my sin, your sin, anybody can sign up to become a Christian, a student, a follower, by believing in Jesus Christ and giving your life to him to be your prophet. Lord, teach me. Get me out of my ignorance, out of my waywardness. Teach me God. Bring me to God. As my priest, atone for all my guilt. I trust your cross to cover all my wickedness and to make me acceptable to God. I trust you, Jesus, to be my king, to guard and strengthen me in the midst of all the powerful temptations that still fill my life. But I trust you to carry me and bring me safely home. Anybody. Jews, Gentiles, 
Men, women, slaves, free, rich, poor, thieves, murderers, immoral people, even the very worst of sinners. What is a Christian? Anyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ and trusts in him, your prophet, priest, and king for salvation. Secondly, a Christian then is one who becomes a follower. By faith, you become a disciple. He makes you his disciple, his apprentice, his follower. And you follow in his anointing. He fills you with his spirit when you believe in him. And that spirit that made him a prophet, priest, and king in the service of God makes you a prophet, priest, and king in the service of Christ. What is it to be a Christian? You believe in him and you become a prophet in Jesus. A prophet. You're a prophet of God, believer. Do you know that? You're a prophet of God. And that doesn't mean like the New Testament prophets and apostles that you get new revelation and you get to add to the Bible. Hey, I got a new word from the Lord. I'm going to write the 67th book. No, no. A small p prophet. The disciples or the apostles were prophets in that sense that they were to finish the writing of scripture. But then Paul says, you're the household of God being built on that foundation. The foundation of the prophets and apostles, Christ Jesus himself, the chief cornerstone. So we're not prophets in receiving new revelation. That revelation is completed. Now we're building on that revelation. And how do we do that? What does it mean to be a prophet of God? A little prophet, an anointed prophet, a follower, an apprentice prophet. It means that you have the Holy Spirit of God first to know the will of God. A prophet learns the will of God from Jesus, from the Bible. To know and understand. You can study the Bible and understand. Oh, we do that with the help of brothers and sisters. We do that with the help of pastors and teachers, the Bible says. But we have an anointing to have our eyes opened, our minds opened, our hearts opened to understand the word of God. And then to, what does a prophet do? He talks, talks. How are you a prophet? You talk about Jesus. You talk. I'm anointed, says the catechism, to confess his name. A Christian follows Christ as a prophet to tell others the truth about Christ. Parents telling their children, that's your prophetic task. People telling their neighbor, neighbors, that's your prophetic task. Brothers and sisters in the church talking to others about Christ for their encouragement, other brothers and sisters. The people of God speaking to their governing officials about God's will in government, that's your prophetic task. Paul says in Colossians 3, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. A prophet lets the word dwell in him richly. And then teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. He teaches and admonishes his brothers and sisters. And remember Romans 15 verse 14, Paul says to the Roman congregation, a mixture of Jews and Gentiles, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Remember that? Filled with all knowledge. I'm set. You're full of goodness in the Spirit's power. 
in Christ's name and filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Wow. And then Jesus says in Matthew 2, if you confess my name before men, I'll confess your name before my Father in heaven. Prophet. You're a prophet. Brothers and sisters, this is why the early church grew so rapidly in our catechism class, church history course. We're studying how the early church was so involved with sharing the gospel with their neighbors. And John Fox, writing in the Reformation era in his book of martyrs, Fox's book of martyrs, says this about the early church. Listen. Every believer saw it as his duty and felt zeal to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. In that age, the early church, says John Fox, every Christian was a missionary. The soldier tried to win recruits for the heavenly host. The prisoner sought to bring his jailer to Christ. Wow. The slave girl whispered the gospel in the ears of her mistress. The young wife begged her husband to be baptized that their souls might not be parted after death. Everyone who had experienced the joys of believing tried to bring others to the faith. Wow, you're a prophet. And we have his anointing to be more faithful than we are in sharing the gospel with our neighbors. Who can forget that little story from Pastor George Samuel about this little girl in the grocery aisle building up boldness, bravery to go give this sheet of paper to George. She didn't know him. That said John 3.16 on it to share the gospel with somebody she met in the grocery store and never knew. And you're anointed to be a priest as well. No, not the way Jesus is our high priest and offered a sacrifice that covers our sin. We can't offer a sacrifice that pays for anybody else's sins, let let alone our own. But in the name of Jesus Christ who offered his life for us, when we enter into his following as his apprentices by faith, we become little priests who offer our lives to him. Take my life and let it be, Lord, consecrated to thee. Think of Romans 12. Therefore, brothers, in view of the mercies of God, offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And then 1 Peter 2. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a what? A holy priesthood. A holy priesthood is what we are. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We give our lives to God and we run it through Jesus Christ, our mediator, so that it gets to God in an acceptable form. All the stains are washed away from it. But again, 1 Peter 2.9. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellences of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now we have prophet and priest being mixed together. How can I be a prophet and talk to others about Jesus unless I'm willing to sacrifice myself for his sake? A priest, in order to 
to risk being rejected, risk suffering, has to say, but I'm going to offer my life to you, Lord, to be your prophet. But then, to be a Christian, a little Christ, is to share in his anointing, not only to be his prophet and his priest, but you also share in his king anointing. You have his anointing to rule. You're rulers. You reign. Think about the battle imagery in the Bible. Your king going out to war. Put on the whole armor of God so you can take your stand against the evil one. You can do that in Christ. Or think of the gift of self-control. That's ruling your emotions. That's a tough one. Ruling your mind so that you don't go way off into some wrong thinking. Ruling your tongue for the glory of God. Ruling your desires. Wow. But you have it in the Spirit's power. You have it in Jesus. He gives that to you. It's yours. Take it. Ruling. Revelation 1 says that. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us what? A kingdom of priests or a kingdom and priests. To his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Whenever the Bible calls us to put away sin and put on holiness, it's calling us to the task of being a king. Following Christ and looking for his rule to exert itself in our lives. I think of Paul in Ephesians 5, and let the peace of Christ rule your heart. Sometimes peace is hard to find, right? Your heart, your mind are such a mixture of turbulence and disquiet, disquietude and worry and fear. And as a king, you say, Lord, Jesus May your peace rule in my heart. I need that. And then when our great king gives that to us, then we're ruling. We're kings in his name. Or think of this, ruling your bodies. First Thessalonians 4. This is the will of God. Your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you knows how to what? Control his own body in holiness and honor, and not in the passionate lust of the Gentiles who don't know God. You know God through Jesus Christ, and therefore you have strength, you have power, you have the gift of controlling your body so that you don't let your desires flow into the streets in passionate lust like the Gentiles, but you, you can say no. No to lust and yes to Christ. Not in our own strength. But remember, as a follower of Jesus, you're a king. You have his anointing, you have his spirit, you have his power. It's amazing. And then afterward, afterward we'll reign with Christ over all creation for eternity. Listen to Revelation 22. Then they, all the believers who are with God in the new creation, they will see his face. His name will be on their foreheads. 
and there'll be no more night and they will need no light or lamp of sun for the Lord God will be their light and they shall reign forever and ever. It says our calling, but it's more than just our calling. It's our power in Christ. This is the power of Christ in me. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. But Christ who lives in me and the life that I now live, I live by faith and the power of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Galatians 2.20, memorize it. It's a, it's a great prophet, priest, and king verse for a Christian. Well, the Christian is one who believes. And when you believe, you become a follower. And when you become a follower, you say Jesus no matter what. And you forsake everything. That's what a Christian is. Listen to Jesus' description of a Christian again. Or a Christ follower. In Matthew 16, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him but deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus talked to us about himself and his value in the, remember the parable of the pearl of great price? There's this merchant looking for pearls and finally, he finds the pearl of all pearls. And in order to get that pearl, he gives away everything he has. Sells it all. Because this pearl is worth everything in his life. Jesus says, that's me. If you trust in me, I am worth everything. Because I am life. I am wealth forever. I'm life forever. I'm joy forever. I'm fulfillment forever. What I give to my people, nothing and nobody else can give you. Everything else leads to death. Will lose its value over time. Except for the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus says, rather than sell out Christ in order to keep your job... Rather than sell out Christ in order to keep your reputation with your family and friends. Rather than sell out Christ in order to keep your good marks in the university. If you're being forced to compromise for those good marks. Rather than sell out Christ in order to keep your money, your property, your freedom, your life. We're willing to sell off everything in order to keep Christ. In order to stay true to him. Because to have him, we have everything. That's faith. Faith follows. And faith follows in such a way as to forsake all. That's what Jesus said. If you hold on to your life, you lose everything. You lose it. But if you let go of your life for my sake, you gain it. As Bonhoeffer said, when Christ said, Follow me. It was a call to come and die. To let go of yourself. Deny yourself. So that we might serve him in his kingdom. And give everything for him.
Oh, being a Christian, brothers and sisters, is truly a radical thing. It's putting yourself on the altar so that Christ may be exalted and promoted. It's sacrificing yourself in order to be his faithful follower, his faithful prophet, priest, and king. It's the single person who sacrifices the blessing of marriage to devote himself, herself, to the kingdom of Christ in special focus. It's the husband who sacrifices himself to lead, protect, and provide for his wife and children. It's the wife who sacrifices herself for the sake of serving her husband and children. It's the teacher who sacrifices a higher-paying job and an easier life to impact kids for Christ. It's the pastor, the elder, the deacon who sacrifices sleep, evenings at home, and nice, comfortable visits in order to serve the flock. It's the persecuted Christian willing to let go of everything in order to hang on to Christ. But as Jesus said, whatever sacrifice you make in the end is not a sacrifice. It's an investment into him that gains eternal rewards. If you lose your life for my sake, you gain it. That's what Jesus said when his disciples said to him, we've left everything to follow you. He says, truly I say to you, there's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this life. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution. Now he'll repay you hundredfold. And in the age to come, eternal life. A zillion fold. Endless fold. To be a Christian. What a blessing. What a gift. What a calling. Take up your cross daily. Follow him to gain your life because Jesus is our life. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that everyone, anyone, anywhere, anytime can sign up for this life. Simply by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, you take us as your followers. You make us prophets, priests, and kings, and you lead us all the way to glory. Lord, we pray that you would equip and strengthen us to be your faithful followers. So many things get in the way. So many things tempt us. We get afraid for our lives. We get afraid for ourselves. But help us to see that there's nothing to fear when we're following you and we give up everything for you. There's only everything to gain. So help us to serve you with joy. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.